often faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kinzer. Great to be with you as always. And this week was a very exciting week for me. I was, where was I? I think I was out in North Carolina when I got a notification from UPS that three boxes had shown up at my door. And inside those boxes, because I knew where they're from, they're from Lake Drive Books, my book arrived. I, it's like in my hand. I'm holding it. I have a I have a book with my name on it as the author. Bring it home. We've got the copies. So what that means is we are ready to rock for launch day. So this book is coming out on November 10th. And then the launch party is going to be November 11th, 11-11, here in Eau Claire at the Brewing Project, upstairs in the Brewing Project. It's a great room. Of course, we're going to have a party, so this is going to be 11-11 at 6 o'clock. We're just going to be hanging out, grabbing some drinks, and then from 6.30 to 7, we've got a little show lined up with some live music with my wife Susie and myself, then we're going to read some excerpts from the book. And then from that point on, from 7 to 8 o'clock, I'll be signing books. You can purchase books. We're just going to be having a great time uh, just celebrating. I mean, this is huge. This is, it's, it's monumental to open that box, which I just did. So check out my social media page uh, or check out Instagram and Facebook. I uh, posted the, the book, the, the box opening, unboxing of the books. And so you can see uh, the first time that I got a chance to see the book, you can see it out there uh, in the world of social media. <laughs> Again, don't forget uh, that you can pre-order that book today. Just go over to the website and you can click on the picture of the book that's right on the homepage there. It'll take you to Amazon. You can get your pre-order in. Funny thing, it came across as the number one new release (laughs) in Christian fundamentalism. I mean, whatever, right? You take what you can get. I guess if we're talking about the fundamentals of our faith... There's some truth to that, but sometimes fundamentalism has like such a, just a bad, bad rap attached to it. So don't think of fundamentalism like maybe you're thinking of fundamentalism right now. Think of fundamentalism like the, the, the roots of our faith, because that is, there's some truth to that for sure. So that was kind of a funny thing that happened, but pre-order your copy now. Also, while you're on the website, you might as well hop on there and get the Devo, the seven-day Devo, Finding Faith Again. Oh, and I forgot, I just also put this up on the website. If you're like, uh, Matt talks about a lot, a lot about the book, but I don't know if I want to invest $18 in purchasing it, no worries. Right on the homepage of the website, you can read an excerpt from the book. So go ahead and do that and then then decide if you want to buy it. I think you should, but that's just me. I'm super biased. It's my book. <laughs> so being that, we're about a week and a half, two weeks from the official. What, what day is it? I'm recording this on the 30th and the book comes out on the 10th. So we are less than two weeks away from this book coming out. And so even though... We've talked a lot about this book coming out. I really haven't done probably a good job of explaining even what the book is about. So I thought today on the podcast, we would just dive into why. I mean, you heard a little bit from the interview that I had with Susie last week. You heard a little bit of of some of the inspiration. 
But I really want to capture today on this podcast the heart of why this book was written. It was not just to get my name on a book. It was not just to try to sell a bunch of books or because I have some sort of information that nobody's put out there before. Uh, It was because I really feel like there's something true and beautiful and spiritual about our stories. So let's jump in. So I know that for some people, your spiritual life came about a little bit later in life. I know a lot of my friends, spirituality didn't mean much for them growing up, but then they had an experience or, you know, they met that person or they went to that worships or whatever it was. They decided to really dive into their faith because of of something they experienced. For me, that story is very different. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this as well. But for me, I don't ever remember faith not being important to me. So I remember when I when I got into the evangelical circles, a lot of times people wanted to know, well, you know, what's the question they would always ask? Well, when did you get saved? <laughs> I would say, man, I've been saved for as long as I can remember because I never remember a time when God didn't matter to me. I don't ever remember a time when I wasn't deeply fascinated by Jesus. I don't ever remember a time when I didn't enjoy going to like worship services. Well, I do remember a time, but it's way more recent. But I'm talking about like growing up. Like I, I loved it. I, I loved going to, you know, I went to, to Catholic school all the way through grade school and I just loved it. I loved learning about my faith. I was just just so infatuated and fascinated by every element of it. And I would spend way too much time thinking about it. Like as a young kid, I would just spend so much time thinking about it. I would, as a grade school student, I think I even did this up into high school, I would say the rosary. I grew up Catholic. I would say the rosary before I would go to bed every single night. Uh, People who were my friends in high school knew that even back then, everywhere I would go, I would have my Bible on me. And so just it just has never not been important to me. And I always just experienced God. Like when I was growing up, I I felt like the place I experienced God was just everywhere. (laughs) Inside of every story that I had, God showed up. And I can remember so many times through that, that, that that is like I just felt deeply connected to God in my own life, in my own story. And I never felt, even though, you know, for those of you who grew up Catholic or grew up in a mainline denomination, like there's definitely a belief there that that's the right way, you know, especially with my my Catholic friends, right? Like we believe that we had it down, like anything that wasn't Catholic didn't matter. <laughs> and I would say the same thing probably about my evangelical friends now as well. A lot of, you know, we're just prideful people. We just think we got this God thing figured out. But I never, as much as I liked going to church growing up, as much as I was fascinated by church, as much as I enjoyed going to Catholic school, like I didn't, I never, I, I can never remember a time thinking that God was more in Immaculate Conception Church than he was outside of it. Nobody, I don't ever remember anybody teaching me that. I don't ever remember thinking that. Honestly, the place where I always felt like God felt the most present was out in, in like out in nature. And I've shared a lot about that on this podcast. I mean, I can remember being a little kid. I used to hike up to the top of this hill. And I remember I was way up on the top of this bluff overlooking the Wisconsin River Valley. And then an eagle flew past at 
at eye level because I was so high up, right? Eagle was just flying past the bluff and it just surprised me. I remember thinking and feeling like how spear, you know, I can, that was, that happened when I was a young teenager. And here I am as a 46 year old man, remembering that story, because to me, there was something beautiful and spiritual about it. And every, every story I have like that really mattered to me. Now, fast forward a little bit. I started to meet some people later on in high school who were not Catholic, but were very serious about their faith. I was really attracted to the relationship with these individuals because in the hometown where I grew up, even though a lot of people went to Catholic church, a lot of people went to the Lutheran church, nobody talked about it outside of that. So as much as like I was sitting there doing the rosary in my bedroom or even reading the Bible a little bit and praying and things like that, we never talked about it. You know, my family, we never talked about it much. And it just like my friend groups, none of that. It was just I didn't have a youth group. We had catechism, you know, like you do when you're Catholic and some of those things, but not a youth group like maybe you think about it today. And so eventually when when I met some people that were also carrying their Bibles around us nerdy Bible people and also were interested in talking about faith. It like blew my mind because I just didn't know that was a thing people did. I didn't know people like me. I, you know, sometimes you think like you're the only one, right? And me growing up young in my faith and it mattering a lot to me, I just assumed like <laughs> it was just this kind of weird dude and nobody else wanted to talk about the things that I wanted to talk about. And I didn't talk about them because I didn't feel it would be well accepted. So when I met a couple people that wanted to talk about it, I was like, this is amazing. This is this is the greatest thing ever. And so we would talk about faith and they would share Bible verses back and forth and different things like that. And and then I just I, I just started going along with kind of their their route of thinking because it was so intriguing and so fun and so fascinating. And then one of those individuals actually I, I went to the same college with him. A couple of those individuals actually I did. And then they introduced me to well, one of them in particular, he lived on the same dorm floor as I did. So he introduced me to a campus group, which was a whole bunch of like college kids that cared about Jesus, which again, go figure, right? At this time, I was still going to the Catholic church on campus, but I was meeting these people that cared a a great deal about their faith. And that was super fun. And that eventually led me to, I mean, the first, I'll never forget the first time ever I went to a non-Catholic church was because somebody asked me to play drums at the only like non-denominational kind of evangelical uh, progressive, not progressive. That's not uh, like, um, you know, the, like the music was very progressive for a church. <laughs> and so they had a rock band on stage. This was news to me. I didn't know this existed. And until I got invited to actually play drums. And I remember when I got asked to do it, I was like, you, <laughs> are you asking me to play drums at church? That seems weird. But just was pumped as soon as I figured out like this was a thing, got all involved with it and just dove into it head first because I was like, this is amazing. This is where I belong. We're talking about God. We're reading the Bible. We're playing drums at church. Like this is where it's at. How could things get any better? Now, anytime you are attracted to something like that, you know, you want to go along with what's what's creating that energy, what's creating that buzz, what's creating that those butterflies in your stomach and that excitement in your heart. Like you just want to you want to be a part of it. And so eventually I would get and, and the pastor of that church was very engaging. So I was like, yes. And then I started going to other churches at other places like this. And I'm like, this is this is just the greatest. 
And what I didn't realize is that I was really, <laughs> it was like that kid that was, was distracted by the shiny object on some level, right? Like it was making a big impact on me, but I also was in some way like idolizing the people that were speaking, idolizing the people that were writing the books and just digesting and, and you know, just taking on so much information and I would have questions about the Bible and I remember when I'd have a question about the Bible the thought that would go through my mind is that's okay that's okay that that doesn't make sense because some Christian smarter than me knows the answer and then I started like diving into apologetics book I was like I got to figure this stuff out I got to know what I got to know you know because I want everybody to be a part of this and so I have to have the answers I have to know about God I have to know about salvation I have to know about heaven I have to know it all right and so I just got into this place where I just wanted to know no 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 and then I was being taught a certain thing and I would never call this you know I've heard people call their experience with church brainwashing and I don't come against anybody's story your story is your story that was not my case at all. I was openly taking this information in. But what I realized that the shift started to happen here. The shift started to happen when I started having the questions and I kept looking for the answers. And when I couldn't find answers that actually seemed good enough, because I would read, like when I'd have a question, like whether it's about the LGBTQ plus community, well, whether it was about the validity of the Bible or the Bible being inerrant or something like that, which never set very well with me. When I'd have these questions, I would seek out the answers and I'd find them. So I would find somebody that had written about it, that had spoken a sermon on it, whatever. You know, there weren't podcasts back then, so I wasn't looking for podcasts, but I would find where the answer was. And when I would hear the answer, a lot of times I felt like it fell short. So you can go through all day long and tell me what the Bible says about people who are gay and how that's a sin. But when I hear about Jesus, it seems to contradict that, you know, a different kind of contradiction, right? Or, you know, when you tell me that, you know, I'm reading the Old Testament and it's telling me that God ordained women and children being killed <laughs> or people killing them, like slaughtering them. And that was God ordained. And then I'm told that Jesus is God in the flesh and Jesus was a prince of peace, like there's my contradiction, you know? So I was having these questions, I was hearing people come up with answers, you know, and they would be real smart about it and they, they felt like they would have it right and, and everybody would go along with it. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid. Like there's gotta be another way. I'm not willing to give up on this experience that I'm having. I just think maybe we should be considering what it is that we're saying here because it doesn't quite seem right. And then as things kind of kept going and kept going, then then I started like questioning why this, you know, to me, like I was starting to look around and, 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 and my heart started to like really grow for justice issues, right? So really grow for like, what are we doing about poverty in our world? What are we doing about clean drinking water? What are we doing to fight human trafficking? Like having all of these big questions and struggling that I wasn't seeing a lot of that work in the church spaces that I was in. But the, the struggle that I had that was even bigger than that is some of these people that my heart was just growing so huge for did not seem very welcomed in the spaces of worship that I was engaging with. 
And I was like, this just, and then I started thinking, you know, this, this Jesus, he just, he, he seemed to purposely go out. If you just look at all of the disciples that he chose to be around him and let's include the women in that as well. Okay. Let's just not say the 12 disciples and not include people like Mary Magdalene and, and other people that were following Jesus as well. Everybody that we know that followed him. They were, they were very unique and very different from one another, right? My favorite, and, and again, remember, Jesus handpicked a lot of these people. And so I think it's funny that some of these people were like staunch Jewish through and through, uh, hardworking fishermen, and then we bring a tax collector on board. That seems questionable, right, for the unity. That, that seems like that's going to come against our unification process. And then uh, think about like, you know, there was a there was a zealot, a person that was known as a zealot, which is kind of a violent revolutionary approach to, against Judaism, right? Or against against authority in, in certain ways in the culture. And it, and so there's people, there's just people that were supposed to be against each other in in the the followers, the original followers of Jesus. And so I was seeing Jesus bringing together this ragtag, crazy group of people. A lot of them would have not been allowed in the churches. I'm pretty sure there's a good group of them that, that wouldn't have been all that welcomed in the churches that I was going to. And so then I remember at this specific time looking out at this congregation thinking like, oh my gosh, we all are the same. There's no way this is what Jesus died for. There's no way this is what Jesus came and lived and died for. And so I just started like, this thing just started slowly but surely unraveling for me and kind of and when things unravel for me like I'm the kind of person that will take like big steps and so when when I started having questions about the LGBTQ plus community the first thing I did is I hopped online and I found a gay pastor from South America who had written I don't remember I I probably you know went through three ink cartridges to print it all because it's like somebody's got to have a different thought behind this and he did but then when i would share that with anybody else they would just kind of you know they they didn't know they just didn't want to hear it as if they didn't even want to engage in the conversation because that would mess with what was going on right and then um like when i had that experience when i looked out in the congregation and i thought man we all look alike this is what what this is not what jesus came for and died for like i just we <laughs> susie and i we just quit like we just quit. We didn't have a plan. We just quit. Um, so that's kind of the way that I've approached all of this stuff. But it was like slowly but surely unraveling. And then it eventually got to this point where you could tell like I was I was rubbing people the wrong way. People weren't buying what I was what I was given out at least people in, in the, the groups that I was in people were calling me things uh, like a universalist ooh, or uh, other things like that uh, everybody wanted to, to put a, a label on me to try to understand what it was when I what that I believed in uh, when people when I would point blank ask people why they believed in a hell it would like spin their minds <laughs> it would just create some really fascinating conversations but slowly but surely what I realized is hey I had this experience, this dynamic experience with the church. And when I had that experience, my initial response was to buy into it. I'm like, I love this. I'm in. What do I got to know? What do I got to learn? What do, what do I, what, you know, who do I have to follow? All of those kinds of things. And I bought in hook, line, and sinker. And then what I realized is, wait a second, I don't buy into this. And every time I would backtrack away from something, it felt like, I was less and less welcomed. Um, every time I would question something, people would not question my belief. People started questioning me <laughs> as a human being and as a Christian. And, you know, it, 
and and it got to this place where I'm like, isn't what Jesus taught, isn't the underlying message of what Jesus taught just all about loving one another? If, if that's the greatest commandment, love Lord your God with all your heart and love each other, you know, if that's the, the greatest commandment and everything else hangs on that, then shouldn't that be our justification for everything we're thinking of moving forward? And so when I introduced that, even in, in the community that my wife and I started, when I introduced that concept, people wanted to respond by saying, in my mind, what I heard was, no, that's not enough. We have to have discipleship. We have to have different things in place to make sure people get to the right answers. And I was starting to believe that I'm not so sure that there are right answers other than the fact that I think the right answer is how we treat one another and how we respond to the world. And that should be the right answer. And it was just amazing to me, and it still can be amazing to me even to this day, how that doesn't seem to be enough for a lot of people. Yet it seemed like it was enough for Jesus. And so I eventually got to this place where I was on the outside looking in, got to the place where I was asked to, to leave the, the faith community that my wife and I started for really hurting people and homeless people. So basically got kicked out of the thing that I started. And, and at first I was really, really hurt. So the first thing that I had to do is heal. Uh, and that was a process. That was a long, long process. But then the, the second thing that I got the opportunity then to do is start to ask myself the question like, okay, if my faith isn't founded on the church, if my faith isn't even necessarily founded on the Bible, you know, what is my faith founded on? And, and the one thing that I, you know, without, you know, I have no problem saying that in so many ways, my faith is found, founded on the person of Jesus. Like every time I have a question, that's usually the space that I think about. It's like, well, how did Jesus respond to whatever situation that he was in? And how does that make sense? Right. And, and so as I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, so that's, we can start there. Right. I'm not going to buy in necessarily to the idea that the Bible is without error, but I am going to buy into the idea that Jesus was quite possibly one of the most amazing human beings that ever walked the earth. And I'm definitely going to buy into this idea that he somehow was deeply connected to God, whether he actually was God or not. You know, I don't know that those are answers that we can get to. Right. And then the, the thing that I think really like stood out to me in a huge way is that we will find God so intently in the spaces that I used to find him when I was a little kid. And so remember when I told you that story at the beginning of this podcast about the eagle flying about by and just about seeing God in nature? Well, I started to think back about the different stories of my life. And I had this book in my mind for years and years and years. But I started, I was originally going to just write the book to write the book because I thought some of the stories were interesting or funny or inspirational. But then I started to think, wait a second, maybe it's inside of our stories where our deepest connection to God can be found. And so the inspiration of the book is really, my, I'm sharing my story. So what you'll read and bring it home is just story after story from my life. Everything from growing up Catholic when I was a real little kid to parenting and, you know, being married to Susie and having kids and uh, being a prison chat. You know, there's just story after story in there. And every single one of those stories to me whether they're, whether they're you know hilarious or whether they're real heartfelt, every one of those stories, I think you can see God in the midst of it. And so what I do is I write the story. I write it as as honestly as I can remember it, right? But it's amazing because you know you tell some. I've told some of these stories so many times that I'm you know who knows if if all of it's exactly true, but it's true to me. It's how I remember it. 
And then I think about, okay, when I think about that story, what is it about that story that means so much to me? And there's always some sort of spiritual connotation that that comes with it. And so really bring it home as this opportunity for you to, to, <laughs> you to look into my life and see how I see God in my stories with the hopes, not that you would just find God in my stories, but then that you would think yourself about your own story and think about, oh, like where was God in that story? Where was God in that experience? And not just the good experiences, not just the ones that are fun and easy to talk about, because in the book, you'll hear some really hard stories. There's some real vulnerable, wide open stories in this book. And I share them because the most beautiful, authentic, raw stories sometimes bring about the most you know, honest revelations, I guess I would say. And so, you know, as we think through our lives and as you're reading through the, home, the the Bring It Home book, my hope is that you'll find your own story. My hope is maybe that you'll grab a journal and not that you have to write a book. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. That's quite a daunting process. But maybe that you would just start thinking through your stories or journaling through your stories and thinking about where you're seeing God. I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast and a lot of people that are interested in the book and the tagline is the adventure of finding yourself after being lost in religion. I think more than anything, more than the title, more than anything, people are interested in the book because of that tagline. They really are. That's the thing that everybody, their eyes pep up real quick when they hear that, because I think all of us can relate to that. I, I should say every one of us probably that listens to this podcast, everybody that's interested in the book probably can relate to this idea that, yeah, like I was all about religion. It meant a lot to me. And then I just got lost in it. Like I lost myself in it. I, I, you know, would just toe the party line or I would do things that weren't honest with myself because I was so focused on the religion or the movement or whatever it was that I gave up on ideas or thoughts that I actually had. And so this book is an opportunity for us to take back our own stories, to take back our own experiences with God. Just a while back, I did a podcast about our experience with God and how much that matters. And so many of us were told us that that experience only matters if it lines up with a modern understanding of what the Bible says. Well, I'm saying, you know, I'm saying no to that. I'm saying, no, actually, your experience with God just matters because it matters because it's what you experienced. And if it was spiritual to you, it was spiritual to you. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thought about that again my caveat is always like you're however we believe let that belief make us a better person let that belief make the people around us better and the world around us better I think that's really important when we think about our stories but as we look at our stories again the good the bad the ugly you know there's so much beauty in them a lot of you might even be listening to this right now and you're thinking yeah but you've done a lot of, you know, crazy things because, you know, whatever, you're not afraid to quit your job if you don't have another job or you're not afraid to be a prison chaplain or you've done these crazy, you know, whatever in your mind you might think is crazy. To me, I think is very normal. I think our family just operates in a space that those things don't seem odd or weird to us. They just like we just follow what we sense to be, you know, the only way I can, I can say it is what we sense to be God's leading in our life. And it's led us to all of these different places. And so a lot of people will read a book like this and you'll see all these stories and you'll be like, oh, I don't have that. But that's not true. If you really think about it, we all have stories. And maybe to you, because you've thought about them a million times or because you lived it, you just don't think it was that profound. But you know, I thought the same about some of the stories that I have, but then I started sharing them in front of people and I realized, wait a second, 
These stories not only have had an impact in my life, they're also having a similar type of impact in other people's lives. I mean, it's it's so powerful when you realize that what you've experienced can make a difference in somebody else's life. And so I hope that this book will give you the strength and the bravery to share your own story. Again, you don't have to put it out in book form and try to get people to buy it. But just be open and honest with your story and and believe that whatever you've gone through, whatever hurt you've gone through spiritually or with church, like you don't have to give up on your faith. You don't have to give up on God because he's been there all along in the middle of your story. And so maybe the place that God is, is the place where he's been all along. Maybe you don't have to go anywhere or learn anything more to experience more of God. Maybe you just have to get back to where he's always been, right in the center of your story. And so that's really the heart of Bring It Home. The heart of Bring It Home is that God is everywhere all the time. He's in all of our stories. And if we, if we find him there, think about how vibrant our life can be. If we're not just waiting for him to show up on a Sunday morning, but we're finding him in every moment of every day. And we're definitely finding him in those, those really amazing moments of our lives. I mean, that there's so much richness that is centered right there. And as much as I love people who have a lot of information and can speak and can podcast and can write and things like that, and as much as I love thinking and learning through those kinds of mediums, we need to not just rely on that. There's a a big part of us that has to just rely on what's inside of us because that's going to be the truest form of our own spirituality. And all of us should have a spirituality that's probably a little bit unique because of our stories, because of what we've went through, because of how we grew up, because of our kids, because of our spouse, because of our coworkers. You know, everybody's story is a little bit unique and that's why they're so important and that's why they're so beautiful because if we can all share our stories together, we can all learn from one another and isn't that going to be a rich and vibrant way to experience our faith and experience God. So again, the book comes out in less than two weeks. Bring it home. It's, it's going to be, I mean, wherever you can find a book, you'll be able to find this one. So you'll be able to find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, we'll get it here locally in Eau Claire. We'll get it at the local store and some local bookstores. So we support locally as well. Uh, you can just go straight to the website and you can find the link there. Again, it's available for pre-order right now. It's super helpful to me if you pre-order it. And then, of course, that party is going to be on 11 11 and it's going to be at the Brewing Project downtown Eau Claire. There's an upper room, so just go to the upper room when you get there. There'll be a full bar there. It's going to be a, a ton of fun. The show's going to be great. We'll be selling the books there. I'll be sure to sign them for you, and we're just going to have a great time. And if nothing else, just come celebrate. You know, don't come because you feel like you need to get this book. You can get the book anywhere. Come because I need some friends to celebrate with because this is this is a big accomplishment for me and having people to celebrate with means the world. And so if you're around on that Friday, please come out and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And until next time, keep chasing goodness together.